Hi everyone and welcome to the Holistic Health Hour with me, Holistic Life Strategies Coach Aleka Thorvalson. This unique and inspiring show allows us to look at our lives in a whole new way, tuning into our health, our wellness and happiness from a mind, body, spirit and soul perspective. And it is my intention to create a new kind of dialogue about our health, about our bodies, about our relationships and our lives, empowering transformation from the inside out. That is the show, and I want to welcome each and every one of you. It is great to be back doing these podcasts. Um, I, I absolutely love them. I have so many ideas. I just need to find more time in the day. So if you figure out a way to make that happen, you'll have to let me know. Um, and as always, I want to start by thanking each and every one of you. I am so grateful for all of you that listen. Um, every podcast that I've done gets more and more and more listeners, and it's really interesting how the network of connection just sort of organically evolves and um, how the listeners are just expanding each and every show. So I'm very grateful for each and every one of you that listen. And I'm also grateful for all of you that contact me. I absolutely adore getting feedback from each and every one of you. So thank you for that. Whether you're sharing your story, um, the comment I hear most often is, did you do that show for me? Um, It's so interesting how, you know, we connect on such deep, profound levels, and and there really is a thread of synchronicity in all of our stories that is so relevant, you know, to to the journeys that we have uniquely is is really so, so relevant to all of our journeys. So I appreciate you sharing that truth with me. And you can always find me at alekasky.com, A-L-E-K-A-S-K-Y.com. You can also find me on all the usual social, social media outlets that are out there. Um, Facebook is the one I probably utilize the most. And mine, um, you can find me under my, my name, Aleka Thorvalson. Um, or you can look at me under um, Aloha Healing Arts under Facebook, which is my business page. So if you want to like that, you can stay up to date on all the announcements and classes and podcasts and other things that I do. Um, The last show, tons of feedback. Um, That was on expanding your capacity for joy and abundance. Got some interesting questions, and it got a lot of feedback. So one of the things I heard was that you really appreciate step-by-step instructions, like, okay, Aleka, I get the concept. Give me how I can apply it. You know, let me know just A, B, C, D, what do I need to do? And so, you know, as I, I, I appreciate that too. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I will continue to try to do that as much as I can. Some shows are going to be more about just here's some information and the um, kind of the understanding part of it. And I do try to give real-world examples and points on how to practice what I'm teaching. Um, so I appreciate that. The, um, the shows are always archived at Mind, Body, Spirit, You blog talk radio. Or you can go to my website and I link all the shows on my media and resource page. So all the shows that I've ever done are listed right there. And you can just click on the listen button and it will take you right to the um, blog talk radio site. 
or you can listen. So get in touch if you'd like to. Um, I love questions. I love feedback, all that good stuff. Tonight's show, podcast, um, is is going to be another series. Um, I've found that series are good because the topics that I I tend to tackle are pretty vast and very big. So I, it would be having to do like a four-hour podcast. So instead, I just do series and I do parts. And I really like that because I can start at a, at a particular place and then I can really tailor the next few parts that um, tailor them according to what feedback and questions I get from all of you. So we're going to start with part one of the food, feelings, and finding freedom. And then after you listen today, make sure to send in your comments or questions so I can add them anonymously, of course, to the, the later parts that I do. Um, and so let's just, let's just start. I think it's important to get a little bit of, of background before we get into this topic. And if you've listened to me before, you know that I'm, I come from a more holistic position. So this means that illness, um, disease, emotional strife are life circumstances that are showing up that aren't working. You know, whatever we're looking at, these things all have important information to tell us. In other words, from my perspective, symptoms have a real purpose in that they are warnings, warning bells, right, to get our attention. And they do. You know, if, if, they're, if we're paying attention, of course, but symptoms tend to get our attention, and specifically physical symptoms really get our attention. Pain um, or dis-ease or illness is a great motivator for change because it gets our attention probably better than anything else. I think that one of the keys to true healing, then, is to learn to pay attention and to discern what the message is within the symptom. You know, what are our symptoms telling us? Because then we can begin to decipher what action is needed to support healing. I personally, in, in the way that I see um, the world and certainly the way that I work, I don't see a separation between the physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual selves. And I think that each affects the other. So does this mean that there's not a physical component to illness? Of course not. That's included. There absolutely is. Looking at the actual chemistry or biology or physiological issues that are arising is as important as looking at the the maybe the psychological, emotional, or more spiritual aspects as well. The point is that neither is more important than the other and that to take a broader view and expand our awareness to include the whole of who we are, right? That, that's important because we're so much more than just blood, chemistry, bones, cellular tissue. We really are. We are, we are these complex, multi-systemic beings. And so symptoms of the physical or of illness have meaning only within this larger context. And I, I don't find it as helpful to look, at, to look at it in isolation. 
So what this means is that if we are experiencing health, you know, specifically, um, or life issues, right, if our relationships aren't working right, if we're um, in chronic pain, if, if we're dealing with inflammation somewhere, um, if we're dealing with depression, if we're experiencing lots of allergies or autoimmune systems, if we're experiencing chronic illness in some way, or weight or body issues, right, that's what we're talking about initially um, in this series, then it's a call to go deeper into your experience, your life experience, what's happening, what are the symptoms telling you, and then to decipher just what insight and wisdom that is, is trying to emerge. Because it's in those very symptoms, as I've said, that it is in that very part of imbalance where we're going to find a lot of the answers that are our keys to healing. And I know that's sort of this big concept I just threw out there, and I know that you can, certainly if you're listening to this show, you're probably open to that idea, right? The, the, way, um, it's, the way out is by going within. We have to go deeper into these darker spaces to be able to shine the light. This is a, this is a, a concept that I've repeatedly talked about in past shows. And I think it's really easy to say. I mean, it's easy to tell ourselves that. Okay, um, I just need to go inward to find the answers that are my keys to healing. Yeah, easy to say. But I, I think this is the practice, right? I, I don't know if it's, it's, it's simple in concept as far as what it would take to heal, but is it actually, is it easy? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, as someone who has done this work, this is the practice. It's through the challenge of going deeper into our story that we actually create the alchemy of transformation and change and the healing that we so desire. So our pain, whether it be physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, it has a message. And our job is to be open to what the message is. So much of my own work, whether it's personal, certainly, um, or my work with clients, which is extensive, is really helping, helping you, right, discover just what this experience is telling you. What is the meaning here? What is the grace? So from this perspective, it's a way of looking at life, not that it's happening to us, but it's happening for us, and we have some accountability and say in the matter. What is the message of this experience? Because when we can locate the grace, then we have found the answer to the healing that we so long for. And that is what, that, that concept is what I bring to this series called Food Feelings and Finding Freedom. And I've done e-courses. I have an e-course that I do um, with the same title. I've done lots of groups, um, support groups and things like that with the same title. So this is a concept that I've worked pretty extensively with. And it's about applying this concept of holistic thinking to specific, a specific issue of food, weight, and body image issues. 
However, that said, even if you're listening and that's not particularly your issue, you will absolutely get value from this podcast because you can apply it to any issue that you are struggling with. And I suggest that you do, right? Many of you know this about me. If you Certainly if you've worked with me or if you've read my bio, <laughs> then you know me personally, you know this story that I really started my practice working with eating disorders in an intensive outpatient eating disorder recovery center. And actually I started... <laughs> started my practice of working with eating disorders because I had um, a severe eating disorder that I actually had to work through. And I tried many ways of walking through that. And what I recognized was the best way to really clear that from my own life was taking this more holistic approach. Um, and, and certainly, you know, I say that, you know, this holistic view of recovery was solidified when I started really working with clients because it was something that I could really see what was working um, and, and what wasn't working as well. And I really recognized that weight issues, food issues, body image issues were really just openings to deeper and buried parts of ourselves. Right, working on these on these deeper layers, going into it, leaning into to these parts of ourselves, and really recognizing that our 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 weight issues were just doorways to parts of ourselves that needed healing. So as we opened the door, we found long buried fear or limiting beliefs or shame or pain. Right, and this was the key to really clearing these aspects of our shadow and then being able to heal. So my, my, my practice through the years, of course, has in, is expanded to include clients with a variety of issues. I mean, now my practice is, um, is awesome because I, I, clients come, come to me with so many different issues, which is, is really inspiring and um, energizing to work with on a daily basis, but I still work with a large percentage of people struggling with food, weight, and body image issues. I mean, partly because it's a huge issue in our culture right now. It's a pretty pervasive problem showing up. Look around, and if we look at obesity trends or eating disorder trends, body dysmorphic disorder, some of the other things that we classify under this heading of eating disorders, we really see that it's, it's not something that's going away. In fact, it's increasing. So it's a big issue, and that's why I'm really focusing some light on it. So this series is really going to highlight some of the key areas of importance that I have discovered through this years and years and years of working with this particular issue. Um, this is, I, I'm going to give you some some information, some tools um, through, through tons of study and learning that I've done, that I've accumulated over the years through classes and seminars and coaching um, certifications that I've, I've gotten. Certainly, after years of working with clients, I'm going to um, be able to share some things that I've found that worked and some things that don't work, and certainly my own personal experience. You know, I think that's always relevant when we can bring that 
into, into the fray. So I'm going to, I'm also going to offer a few different perspectives because I come from this holistic space of, of looking at the same issue. So we're going to look at how our psychology can affect our physiology, how our emotions affect our physiology, and vice versa. Now, some, some perspectives that I offer may seem more relevant to you than others. You might really connect with one part um, and, and really recognize that there's another perspective that doesn't necessarily apply to you. Um, I would offer that all is, is, is helpful, you know, and, and encourage you to really understand that we're not these, there's not separate parts of our persona. We are really, it's a dance, right? It's an interplay between all the facets of who we are, emotional, mental, psychological, spiritual, physical. So through this series, I'm going to really highlight some of these key points. Now, I'm not going to be able to offer um, my entire, you know, repertoire of tools because honestly, um, it would take us like eight hours to probably do this. And I mean, I've, I've worked on, um, I've been working on a um, writings, a book around this particular issue. So part of this will perhaps one day when I have all kinds of free time, I'll be able to finish that. But that's, that's my intent. This is just giving you some of the key points to be able to hit the ground running with. If you, of course, if you want to do work with me around this issue, contact me. We can dive deeper into it. So this, this whole series is really just an overview of the, of the, um, the topic in general, but will give you plenty of information and tools to be able to, to work on this issue yourself. So to begin, I, I have to start with what doesn't work. And many of you have heard me talk about this in the past. But I really need to highlight this because I don't think we can say it enough because it's still showing up. And I just want to offer that the, what doesn't work in healing our relationship with our body and with food is dieting and really just focusing on controlling the food. And we know this, right, because from what I've just said, we aren't these you know, we are, we are multifaceted holistic beings. And so just focusing on the behavior, just focusing on the physical, isn't going to work. And that's, you know, at the core of why diets don't work. But I want to offer some other insight into why diets don't work so we can just stop doing it. <laughs> that would be my goal. Can we just stop with the diets? Um, it's, it, they're just not helpful and they're not effective. Now, you may already know that. You may have um, personally tested that theory, right? Perhaps you've tested it over and over and over again, so you're, you're like me um, or like many of us out there that have tried diet after diet after diet after diet. And when I say diet, I want to also offer, you know, this is, yes, this is restriction where we're going to decide what we're going to eat based on calories or fat or some such thing. But the, I'm also talking about ways of eating, right, blood type diet, even paleo, high protein, these things, the ones that are, are deemed, you know, healthy in this way. This is a lifestyle change. And I want to offer that I'm not necessarily saying they're not healthy. They, they really are. 
um, and many many ways of eating um, are are very healthy that we've we've deemed sort of a diet. But the the thing that I want to focus on is if we think that one thing will shift a bigger issue, that's our problem. You know, and I mentioned this a second ago. Diets focus on behavior rather than this holistic way of looking at ourselves. So I'm I really want to include all of these ways of eating that we sort of take control with our mind, this is what I'm going to eat, rather than a practice that brings us into our body and decides what what food really fuels us. Because there may not be a perfect you know, there certainly isn't a perfect diet out there for everyone. That's why we have so many. But there is a perfect diet for you, and that's really going to be found when you can intuitively connect to that inner nutritionist that is able to tell you what foods work, what foods don't, when you're, when you're full, when you're, um, when you're hungry. If we try to manage this psycho-physical um, issue, which is eating, because so much of why we eat has nothing to do with, with food in general. It has to do with all kinds of other things. If we try to manage just the behavior, it's not going to work. And, you know, we know this because diets are ineffective. So the failure rate of diets is from 95 to 98%. That's huge. I mean, that's, you know, the success rate then is between 2 and 5%. And, and I'm defining su success by weight release and then kept off for two years. So the other thing to recognize about that particular statistic is that researchers note that the majority of that successful 2 to 5% also had a significant life change occur at the same time. So of that 2 to 5% where the diet, quote unquote, worked, that they went through a divorce, a career change, a move, something big happened in their life. So the following question has to be asked, right? Was the weight loss success based on diet or was it something else? So was it based on the physical or something deeper or more profound? That's important to recognize. So diets have a failure rate of 95 to 98%. Certainly not telling you anything um, new if you've ever tried a diet, right? They just don't work. The, I, I think the diet fact number two that's really important, the sheer number of them proves how very ineffective they are. If diets worked, there wouldn't be so many right? The, the number of diets is literally countless, and there are more emerging every year. I've tried to find that number because I've wanted to know, you know, how many diets are out there, and I, I can't. So if you know it, please tell me what it is. I'd love to know. But at this point, I, it's countless. Um, diet, diet experts, right, the whole basis of a quote-unquote diet is to tell us what to eat, and then tell us what not to eat, right? And, and unfortunately, there's so, the diets are so conflicting. That's one of the issues that are so confusing and also one of the reasons why they're so pervasive because if that didn't work, maybe it's because of this, 
right? Okay, if eating low fat didn't work and create some balance with my weight, then maybe I need to eat more protein, right? They tell us to eat more carbohydrates, less fat. Then they tell us, no, fat's good, right? Um, they tell us fasting with lemonade, that's, that's the ticket. Um, or to cabbage soup, remember that one? That's an old school one. The, the thing is, is we are left lost, floating in an ocean of conflicting information. They don't work. There's too many of them out there. Where it's almost as if we're grasping at straws, trying to fix a deeply internal problem with an external thing. So, I, and I would even point to something else. I think that, and this is actually statistics have proven this, that the more dieting we do, the more we seem, the bigger we seem to get as a culture. And we know this with eating disorder work, that one of the number one precursors for an eating disorder, whether we're looking at eating disorders from restricting to overeating um, and anything in between, all the other behaviors that are associated with that, the number one precursor was dieting. Okay, so we need to recognize that dieting in this behavior, and I think more or less the culture behind it, the focus on the external rather than the internal, I think this is what's creating a, um, an actually an increase in the very problem that it says it solves. Now, dieting behavior, of course, is not the only factor in our collective kind of weight increase, but I, I don't think it's helping, is my point. And I want to also point out that dieting is huge business. So the only people that are having success with diets are the people writing the books. Um, our gain is their gain. The, in 2010, the um, diet industry was at $68.7 billion a year. That's enormous. And I mean, I, it's four years later, so what is it now? Okay, diet fact number three. Um, diets are not set up for success. They're just, they're, they don't work because they're based on faulty science. Truly, they are. I mean, I, your body has this, and now we're talking physical, right? We have this built-in survival response whose main goal is to resist demise in any way. Keep the organism alive, right? We have this part of our brain that's built into our um, psychology and physiology that says stay alive. So what, what happens is that our body has this innate need to resist any hint of starvation. When we restrict food intake, now I want to point this out because remember, the holistic dance, right? When we, when we restrict it, so say we cut calories, that's one way that we restrict our food intake. Um, but also if we have this mindset, I need to restrict, I have to cut back, I gotta do this. We put that information into the system too. And I'm gonna talk more about that at a later time, but I wanna really point out that when I say restrict, I'm not necessarily meaning we're eating less calories. We're putting that energy into the system. I'm, I'm too big, I need to stop eating. And what happens is we trigger this survival response. Our psychology, what we say to ourselves, and our physiology is intrinsically connected. 
So what happens is when we start restricting, and I'm, I'm really talking about pretty severe restricting calorie-wise, um, but it doesn't take much when we do it in our own head, right? We're restricting psychologically. I need to cut back. I'm going to diet. What happens is our body gets the message, okay, we're restricting, less calories coming in, slow down, slow down the machine. So it slows down our metabolism or our inner energy regulator, the machine part of ourselves, or the way we burn, burn fuel to create energy. Because we have given the message to ourselves, restriction, our body starts to conserve energy. And so it gets the message to burn less and store more. So people that I work with, um, and remember I have my first degree is in nutrition, and so I have that nutritional background, um, but now I see it as more holistic nutrition. People are often amazed when I tell them that we, we often need to eat more calories to release weight. And um, it's, it's an interesting fact, but it's absolutely true. We also need to work on the head part of ourselves that tells us we have to restrict, we have to restrict, we have to restrict. Because that will actually do the opposite. We'll hold on, uh, store more, burn less. Interesting, right? Okay, diet fact number four, moving on. Psychologically, okay, diets by their very nature invite self-criticism, judgment, these, these toxic beliefs, and they rob us, rob us of a feeling of empowerment. Diets give us the message that there's something wrong with us. When we're on a diet, it's like, oh, I'm on a diet. You know, something's, I, I'm not worthy. I need to release weight. I'm not good enough. All those things. They give us the message that we're out of, that we're out of control. Maybe we're flawed. And we have to be contained or fixed in some way. Diets have the message that food is our enemy, right? I mean, isn't that interesting that there's good foods, there's bad foods? And, and, and this whole concept of black and white and, oh, ice cream bad, you know, carrot sticks good. Or, or maybe, depending on the diet you're on, because, you know, if you're on the blood type diet, that would depend. Um, so it's, it's important to recognize that the whole concept behind diets is sort of this black, white, good, good, bad. Whether we're good or we're bad. I stuck to my diet, good. I didn't, I'm bad. That food I ate was, was good. That wasn't. You know, very often when I'm working with clients, I hear the, the phrase, I was really good today. And I'll, I'll question them and say, well, what were you good at? And they'll say, you know, I, I, ate, I ate well. I stuck to my diet. Isn't that interesting that that gives us a sense of personal worthiness? It's interesting, isn't it, that we feel better when we've stuck to our diet, if we have, especially if we have weight issues, right, um, and we're good, we deem ourselves good, and we're bad if we've been bad, because I've heard clients say that too. I've been so bad today, I've eaten like three pieces of cake. Interesting. So diets by their very nature kind of fuel this fire. And it's important that, you know, I've said this in the past, but I want to reiterate it here. How we walk our path determines where we end up. So if we're following a path sort of lined with stones of criticism or judgment, good, bad, 
this kind of thing, I need to be contained, then it's not going to bring us to a place of freedom and joy. So how can we expect to find freedom, which is what we all want, I think, from this issue, is to find balance and freedom and peace within our physical selves. How can we do that if we're walking a path of deprivation and criticism? We can't. It doesn't work. The other thing that diets do is really take us from this present moment. They rob us of our experience to take up space. Diet thinking tells us that our lives would be better, that we would be better if only we were thinner. There's a level of this if-then thinking that diets really perpetuate that is part of the whole problem that creates eating issues or body image issues. Diets are a mechanism in which we utilize to imply that we are not worthy the way we are right now. So in this way, diets are a form of a tool we use maybe to, to reflect this idea of conditional love that we have. Therefore, we're never going to be able to conditionally uh, love ourselves enough to get to a place of unconditional love. It doesn't work. You know, this if-then thinking that, that diets can perpetuate rob us of the gift of the present moment by placing us somewhere out in the future if-then thinking. Um, so I think that that's, and I'm going to go deeper into that piece in a moment, because by the way, some of these things are going to overlap for sure. We get into that if-then thinking when our own worthiness is lost to us. If I could fix that, then I would feel better. That's the dance of the, the, the psychological, maybe spiritual aspects of ourselves showing up in the physical. We'll go deeper into that, but I want to kind of highlight these points right from the beginning. Diet fact number six, they create obsession. You know, for sure, this goes back to the, the physicality of it. We humans tend to crave the very thing we deny. If I say right now, uh, don't think of pink elephants, what are you thinking of? Don't look over there at that person. What do we do? You know, we look over there. That's just kind of how we operate on some level. If I were to tell you right now, okay, from this day forward, if you listen to this podcast for the next week, I don't want you to eat any ice cream. No ice cream for, for two weeks. Let's do it for two weeks. What's crazy about that is if you didn't want ice cream, now you do. Because the very fact that I tell you you can't have it creates the need to want it. So dieting really does create this obsession of I want what I can't have, so now I want it more. It's, it's an interesting part of our psychology, but it's true. So this leads us to the diet cycle, where what happens is try another diet because we've got to fix this thing once and for all. 
So now we're dieting, and at the beginning of the diet, it actually feels very invigorating. We feel energized. We've got some control back. There's a false sense of that. And we buy all the food, and we get the books, and we're all set, and we start doing it. And maybe we even release some weight, right? Maybe we even release some weight, which, which feels good, you know? I get it. But sometime during that experience, we feel deprived, we feel hungry, we feel bored. And we maybe eat, we give in and eat. And now the feelings of guilt, failure, and defeat really start. And that can create either one of two things. We go right back into the diet cycle again, or maybe we even eat more. Because we feel it's, you know, it's not going to work. Another diet failed. I'm such a failure. I can't do things right. So then we eat. And then we gain... Um, we, we gain our weight back that we lost, regain all of the lost weight, and according to statistics, we typically gain a few pounds more. And then we go into feelings of failure and desperation again, and then we start dieting. And that's the diet cycle. The fact is, dieting is like one of those Chinese finger puzzle things, you know? You put your fingers in. The more you pull on your fingers, the more trapped you find yourself. So what I really want to point out here is that you are not the reason the diet didn't work. You are not what is broken. You are not the failure. If you are going to, let's say you take your car to the mechanic. Maybe you take it in because the, the light's on, you know, the like check engine light's on. So you take it in, they look at it, they say it's fixed, and as you're leaving, you notice the, the light's still on. Would you blame yourself? You know, hopefully not. Most of the time you would say, hey, guys, you know what? It's on again. You probably go back to the mechanic and tell him that he or, he or she, they neglected to fix your car. The problem, though, with diets is that when we fail, quote, unquote, fail at a diet, we often blame ourselves. And that perpetuates and we fall deeper into this cycle. And it actually is completely counter to the freedom we're looking for. Because blame will never take us to freedom. Janine Ross, who is one of my favorite teachers, um, someone I've learned a vast amount from in this particular issue, has a great quote here, um, and I wanted to include it. And she says, after developing an eating problem, we then focus on dieting food plans, elaborate schemes for losing weight, and gaining the perfect body, a sense of meaning, and a feeling of accomplishment. But no system built on deprivation, shame, punishment, guilt, and fear will ever work. And this includes diets. Because it does not recognize the fundamental reasons behind emotional eating. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So now what? So what do we do if we don't diet? Great question. And I hear that a lot from my clients. So when, you know, I bring in the, the concept of, all right, we're going to let go of dieting for now. We're going to focus on something else. It's met with all kinds of different reactions, to be honest with you. So what do we do? What do we focus on? Well, starters, we, wanna, we want to highlight that restricting 
or dieting, um, managing our food has very little to do with weight issues. I know it sounds like an interesting thing. It's, it's the same concept that we can apply to money in this way. So you'll never solve a problem with money with more money because there's something deeper at play. And it's kind of funny because although I'm a nutritionist um, originally, I resist diet plans like the plague. Food and what we eat is just the caboose on the train. It's along for the ride. So the diet cycle, our relationship with food, are really grand distractions from what we are really afraid to confront within ourselves. Here we go with that sort of connection, that physiological and psychological emotional connection. We often distract ourselves with elaborate rules, good foods, with bad foods, with eating at this time of the day, that not at that time of the day. And ultimately, we tell ourselves that if we lost weight, we would feel better. And then somehow we would be better. You know, if, if food is sort of the, the medium that we're using to cover up something else, the questions to ask ourselves is what truths and beliefs about ourselves are we stuffing along with our food? What is the emptiness that we're really feeling? What is the shame? What is the pain? What's really going on? And there's no doubt that we are experiencing a deep hunger for something. But I would argue that it is not for food. So the point is, we're never going to solve our food, our weight issues by rearranging the food on our plates. That would be equivalent to rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic in the hopes that it would save the sinking ship, one of my favorite metaphors. It is not about what you're eating or what you are not eating. It is not about implementing more rules or regulations. We are being called to go deeper than that. It's not about what you are eating, but perhaps what's eating you. Important concept to recognize. Another quote by Janine Roth, a good one, um, I want to share. When you believe your hunger is related to something as controllable as the shape of your body, you don't have to undergo the sometimes long and awful painful questioning of other things about yourself. You don't have to come face to face with empty dreams or the lack of fulfillment you experience in your work and your relationships. You can decide your troubles are weight related and you can continue to eat compulsively. That's pretty intense stuff that we are distracting ourselves so we can cover up the parts of ourselves that hurt. And I want to offer something, like I've said in other shows. Bringing compassion to this is vital here. Look, you learned this. This, this, this works on some level. And I want to honor that. It's courageous to, to try and handle our pain. 
But there comes a point when what's worked for so long is actually keeping us stuck. And so to really clear this issue from your life, you're required to go deeper. And that's what this series is all about. And I think that um, in this vein, I want to leave you with this. I think it's appropriate that the first three letters of the word diet is D-I-E, die. Die. Interesting, right? Because from a physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual level, that is what happens when we are on one. We disconnect from a major part of who we are. I propose that our bodies rebel against diets because our divine selves knows that diets are based on the unspoken fear and hope that by changing our bodies, we can change our lives. And we know on a deep level, this is false. Right? We cannot change our lives by merely changing the shape of our body. We can, however, change our lives. Absolutely. But we have to go deeper to do it. And what's so fascinating about that is when we can really change from the inside out, our physical body reflects those changes that we've made internally. So rather than focus on the external, when we focus on the internal and we create those shifts, that we're going to talk about, that we started talking about today, and really heal those empty spaces and, and transform our fear or our shame or our pain, then our body reflects that. Because right now, if you're living in a body that isn't necessarily at peace, it's reflecting something internal too. So the good news about all of this is that our relationship to food our, and our relationship to our bodies have really important information for us. By examining closer what this relationship is, it will lead us right to those parts inside that need healing. And so really getting in touch and listening to our true selves, our inner selves, is what true healing is all about. To leave you today, I want to offer a few questions that you can ask yourself. Perhaps if you do journal work, you can do some journal work with it. Just to get an understanding of where you are with this particular issue. First of all, ask yourself, have you dieted in the past? Can you even remember how many you've been on? How have they made you feel? Have they been successful? And if so, why? Right? Tracking the diet cycle as I described it, have you experienced that? What has that been like for you? Now, how about 
offering you the insight to let go of diets. Just stop for a while. Does a life without diet thinking make you feel free? Or do you feel excited? Or maybe it brings up fear, terror even. So going deeper into that and examining what that's about, your feelings and the story behind them. And moving deeper if you can, what does the distraction of dieting keep you from feeling, doing, or noticing about your life? So what might dieting be distracting you from? So I'm going to leave you with those few questions, and I'm certainly open to you sharing your answers with me. You know that I love making this um, podcast, um, certainly my work with clients, as a collaborative experience. So share your experiences with me, or and do the journal work yourself to get deeper into just what diets have been um, in your life. If you've released them, good for you. Tell me about that. You know, how has that been? What has that been like? If you're still in it, what is that like? Okay. So that is going to end the first part of this series. And I honestly can't tell you how many parts there'll be. I have a few outlined further. Uh, but as I said, as I get feedback um, questions, I may shift or change some of those things. Um, you can find me at www.alekasky.com. Welcome to contact me through there. My phone number is also there. You're welcome to text. Facebook, you know the drill. Thank you again, everyone, for being so supportive and for listening to this particular podcast in this series. And until next time, take good care. <laughs>